Hi, it's Marco here. Just before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is available on our YouTube channel as a video podcast as well. So you can see not only myself and Tarek, but this week's brilliant guest. So head on over there. We've put a link in the podcast description and you can watch this episode as well as listen to it. So why not do that and uh, give us a follow while you're there? That would be great. But now we'll get straight into the episode. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Page One Extra, the show that discusses the hot topics in the writing industry. I'm Marco. And I'm Tarek. As you know, on this show, we like to dive into the topics that are affecting writers today. And today's topic is an evergreen one, the importance of publicity to a book's success. And it's such a big topic, in fact, we realised one guest wasn't quite going to cut it. So we have not one, but two guests on to discuss it with us. Yeah, in this episode, we're speaking with an award-winning publicist from one of the big five, as well as a successful author and editor who has some good insights to the whole thing from the author's point of view. So let's get straight to it. What makes a book a runaway success? It's a question that all writers ask, of course. But what's become clear is that the writing alone is nearly never enough. Even the best written book will stay hidden away in the shelves unless attention is drawn to it. For example, last month's Bookseller Awards, also known as the Nibbies, for the nib of a pen, I imagine that comes from. Uh, Rebecca F. Kwong's dark... Acad- oh, how do you say Academia. Academia. I don't mind struggling with this word so much. Academia uh, novel. It won uh, Book of the Year and the judges noted the marketing campaign for the book, quote, left no stone unturned. Uh, and the judges highlighted the book as having the most impressive campaign on the shortlist. Yeah, so while authors are often understandably keen to let their writing do the talking, without a decent publicity campaign, they're being gagged before anyone has a chance to hear them. That old adage about not judging a book by its cover is, of course, true. But what is clear is that the cover and other marketing play a vital role in getting people to pick up the book in the first place. And if a book fails to sell, that commonly falls on the author themselves and it jeopardises their next potential book deal or even the entire career, uh, which seems harsh and it's so apparent that to succeed, a book needs a lot of decent support from the publisher's PR arm. So to put it simply, unless you're talking about the elite writers of the world, a new book by even well-thought-of mid-list authors can fail if little or no effort is put behind the marketing campaign. Yeah, and at the same time, with the growing rise of book talk and other social media, publishers are expecting authors to do a lot of the heavy lifting, which only adds to an already stressful time for authors and isn't something that every author feels comfortable with. Yeah. So what can authors do about it? Well, obviously it's tricky for new authors to demand marketing spend on their books and to be fair to publishers debuts are often given more backing than some more established authors as they are potentially the hot new thing but we think it's important that authors are at least aware of just what a difference publicity and marketing can make so we thought we'd speak to people from both sides of the fence to get their perspectives First up, we're joined by Alison Barrow, PR Director for Transworld, which is a division of Penguin Random House. She ran the publicity campaign for Bonnie Garmus' debut, Lessons in Chemistry, which saw this debut from the previously unknown Garmus enter the charts at number two. Hi, Alison, and thanks very much for joining us today. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. What a pleasure. Um, so we really wanted to get you on the show to speak a bit about uh, what a publicist does, what a PR director does in terms of helping market a book and make a book a success. And 
I thought I'd start at the very basics. I think your official title, or I saw this on the internet, is Director of Media Relations at Transworld. Um, what exactly is your, what does your role mean on a day-to-day basis? Good question. And no two days are the same, but I suppose that's that's similar for anyone working in the creative industry. I, I, I guess... Um, Essentially, my job is to work incredibly closely with the writer um, and um, build a platform for them in terms of um, through the media, through interviews and features, securing reviews online and in print, uh, sending out many, 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 many early copies uh, to create that sort of groundswell of buzz. Working with the author to give them confidence, whether they're an experienced or first-timer, in pitching, honing a pitch for their book, because many of them will have uh, spent sometimes years, many years, writing this exquisite volume. Um, And the media um, requires them to kind of condense that into pithy pitch a few lines what is this book about um and and, and under, understanding for them what they feel strongly about what they want to talk about um so it's media it's interviews as i say it's reviews it's features written pieces it's events at bookshops festivals and and being at their shoulder the whole time from the moment we as a business acquire that book to publish right through the whole publishing process so what that means is before the book reaches public domain when the book is fresh out in market and if it's working or not quite working what we do day to day to make a difference um right through the the first iteration which is quite often a hardback and then through paperback and then beyond hopefully building a nice successful writing career with them I mean, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which was, at what point do you get involved with the journey of a book? You know, do you get involved before the book's ever acquired? Do you give input to see how marketable a book is, you know, what you would need to do to sell it, etc.? Absolutely, yes, absolutely, Tarek. What I do, I mean, in my, my position, I've been working in the industry quite a long time, so I'm now very fortunate to be asked my opinion on prospective acquisitions um, to read sample material or sometimes the entire manuscript. Um, I do so as a reader because I'm a voracious one, but also with my publicity head on. What are the angles here? What are the approaches? Mm -hmm. How we're positioning this? What would I be saying to um, media? What would I be saying to events programmers? What would I be saying to booksellers about this particular uh, title? Um, And then sometimes I'm involved um, in pitch meetings where we meet with a writer and maybe their literary agent um, or their talent agent. And that's where I'm pitching myself, my team and and what we can offer as as part of the promotional process. And and I noticed this. I noticed this more from actually the the recent bookseller awards in the different categories, uh, which we'll get onto because you were a winner there. But um, th- there's an award for I think marketing campaign or marketing strategy, sorry, and an award for publicity campaign. And are the are, is what a publicist does slightly different from what the marketers do? But you're working together hand in hand, sort of a thing. Hundred percent, you nailed it. Yeah. So essentially. 
Um, what a marketer will do is um, leverage coverage um, in terms of partnerships, maybe with um, uh, businesses and companies where who might be aligned to the content of the book. That's not, very often that's a paid-for partnership. They will do advertising both digitally and sometimes in print and sometimes outdoor. Um, they will work very closely on the copy lines, the positioning. Um, they will work um, across the copy that appears online, and that changes quite often. If if a new um, endorsement comes in, they will elevate that. Um, cutting it sort of very brutally, it's sort of marketing is much more the paid-for side. Publicity is probably more the relationship side. Okay. So, um, you know, and the budgets tend to be aligned in that way. But yes, I mean, you you, you also have noticed that um, on Lessons in Chemistry, I worked um, very closely with my brilliant colleague, our marketing director, Vicky Palmer. Um, and daily, we were having conversations for about two years before the book actually landed oh. about how we would you know, shaping up the campaign, talking about different angles, looking to see the early reading reactions uh, once you get books out there with bloggers and um, through Goodreads and NetGalley and, and so on, which are sort of platforms for early pre-publication reads. What are people saying and how do we amplify that to, to get more readers? Okay. Right, yeah. And <clears throat> I want to ask a question that I've always wondered, I think a lot of people out there have always wondered, which is, you see certain books and they've obviously had a big push behind them and they're kind of everywhere, you know, they're advertisers, splash boards, there's adverts up in the underground, etc. How do you decide which books get that marketing push and which ones don't? Is it like a calculation or is it a gut feeling? What's the thinking behind that? Well, that's a big thorny question, isn't it? <laughs> um, we're very fortunate here at my company and we're very streamlined in our publishing. In my particular part of Penguin Random House, we don't publish a huge amount of books every month. Um, so every single title, whether it's a first iteration in hardback or um, a, a follow-up in paperback, gets attention uh, from a publicist and marketer. Um, I think it's fair to say if there has been a considerable outlay in terms of what we paid to acquire the book, understandably, we're a business. We need to get some of that money. We yeah. need to earn that money back. Yeah. So we'll align our budgets accordingly. Having said that, we have in the past acquired books on a more modest level. And of course, I won't. I can't go into the detail of, of what those are, but because that's private information yeah. for, sure. for the writers. But we have acquired books more modestly. And one of the things you'll hear from so many publicists, I hope, is that it's about passion that drives um, the success of a, a book. So the amount of time that you spend on it, you know, there's a lot of invisible time that is spent by publicists um, talking on the phone, pitching through email, talking through um, meetings and networking and being around and about and going to um, media offices, talking to events programmers. A lot of that stuff is quite invisible in the whole scheme of things and you can't put a value on it. But I would say that there's a huge amount of effort right across the board, but we do upscale according to the investment that we've made from the from the get-go because we are businesses. Yeah, 
And, and of, as I alluded to earlier, uh, you recently won Publicity Campaign Award of the Year at the British Book Awards, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, and uh, that was for Lessons in Chemistry, which obviously debuted uh, in at number two in the charts. And I, I was just reading about some of that campaign. There were sort of 40 visuals produced searching for the right cover. Um, what was the, your strategy with that? How did you come to a strategy on that particular book? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were very, very excited to acquire it. And one of the exciting things is that pretty much every single publisher in town wanted to acquire that book. So there was already at the, um, where the deal was struck with the brilliant um, agent, Felicity Blunt, at the Frankfurt Book Fair, there was already a ground level of buzz. The industry knew about this book mm-hmm. already. And, and having that awareness has its own momentum, um, even in a sort of organic way. So what we did is um, we sort of formed a small group within the team, uh, the company here, and we started talking about the book and our reading experience. And what elevated itself were two things. One, it was unlike anything we'd ever read before. And one of the things that you'll find so often is that um, when books are fresh out in market, particularly from a debut writer, um, the publishers will say, oh, it's this meets this, or if you yeah. like that, then you'll like this. And and we did struggle with that for a while because it was unlike anything. Else. We couldn't find those two markers. Mm-hmm. So we decided let's not have those markers. Let's not do that. What are we all talking about? What are we saying about this book that is individual and distinctive and that we can run with throughout the whole period of the campaign? And it's still rolling out now because mm. the book is still in the in, in its paperback um, uh, is still in the top five bestsellers um, as we speak. So we highlighted on Elizabeth Sops, the central character, who is very singular, very inspiring, very individual, funny, smart. Um, kind of role model Um, and we focused on her as driving the campaign have you met her yet this is pulling out some pull quotes of things that she says in the book so we consistently created uh, a sort of channel to Elizabeth Zod and Vicky along alongside that did a world what she calls a world building what was it like in the 60s mm-hmm. where what kind of environment with it would elizabeth have been working and living in um and alongside that i started pitching to all of my contacts saying this is unlike anything you've ever read before sure. 40 publishers wanted to publish so that's a big plus this is a, 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 you will never have met a character like this and that's how we sort of started um, our approach and it has been consistent throughout and has your approach to marketing and 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 getting books out there has that changed over the years you know i mean you know relationships with retailers are they still as important as they once were and you've got things like tiktok and or book talk yeah. and all this kind of new angles that are coming on the scene in the last five ten years it's, how has it been how has it changed and how has it stayed, how has it stayed the same you're so right it's so refracted and what where we're seeing a sort of demise and kind of circulation and reach of what we would deem traditional media mm-hmm. and by that i mean a lot of print media is in decline a lot of um uh, terrestrial tv doesn't necessarily have the same cut through people's attention spans are shorter yeah. the rise of book talk has been extraordinary and exceptional 
Um, I think I'm right in saying that across the board with TikTok, um, that is very organic, passion-driven, um, driven by influencers. Um, it's not necessarily something we as a publisher can influence. We can send out books and we can hopefully get them in the right hands, but it has to be a genuine, authentic um, voice in, in that, that particular space. So the digital landscape has uh, developed, developed um, exponentially. Um, Twitter is still significant. I would say Instagram is really powerful for us. Um, and, and to a degree, Facebook and all those established um, social media platforms have really propelled lessons in chemistry and have been a great way of capturing the conversations that are being had outside yeah. of our building, outside of our industry. Yeah. I suppose that's right, isn't it? Because with social media, what you're able to do is is get input, get people's reactions almost real time. And you can use that, I suppose, to help spread the word of the book and publicise the book in a way that you couldn't when it was just a, a something in a supplement in a newspaper or something. Absolutely that, absolutely that. And every single day, I mean, for the longest time, and it's still continuing now, there will be somebody posting about that book. Um, and then we just, we put, we pull it through to our own stories or our own feed yeah. and we, we amplify that way. But you did also mention bookshops and, and bookshops and booksellers have been vital um, for this book. So um, one of the things that we did incredibly early on was to take Bonnie, the author, out and about um, doing proof drops. You may well have seen this. And this plays out also on social media. Mm. So we had a clutch of proofs. We um, traveled around the country, dropping in um, copies with a few goodies um, to booksellers, taking photos, posting those on Instagram, posting those on Twitter, because that's where you have the, the interaction one-to-one -one with the author and the publisher with the bookseller in their place of work. But then you can you can amplify that by putting it out on your social media so it's not just that uh, occurrence it's it's going elsewhere and you build the buzz you build that kind of excitement um i would say we were very fortunate also that even to this day and it's 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 diminished now to an extent but i never said no to anybody asking for a reading copy mm, okay. so whether that was proofs or eventually finished copies anyone who asked me i'm going to open the floodgates now aren't i <laughs> 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 I'm just suddenly realized um i never said no because my confidence in the reading experience in the book was so strong and i really wanted to keep the momentum going mm, yeah and and do you see a, a connection really between the amount of time and money that's spent marketing a book and the eventual sales of that book is it is it quite a simple connection or is there times when you know you've put a lot of effort into something and maybe it's not gone the way you'd hoped or or conversely where you've not done very much and it's groundswell it's word of mouth it's exploded yeah yeah i'd say the former rather than the latter and i'm trying to think if there has been um i would say sometimes it just doesn't stick mm -hmm. and every publisher will have that experience of acquiring something with great anticipation and excitement and it just doesn't stick yeah. with the readers they just can't quite make what, what they, can't, they can't make more of it they don't want to talk about it we need to then look to ourselves and think are we positioning this 
wrongly? Have we said something not appropriate about it? Why is it not connecting in the way that we really would wish? Mm -hmm. and, and every publisher has that story. I would say fewer have the story where a book, and now I'm put on the spot, I'm trying to think if there has been anything. And afterwards, of course, I'll think of something <laughs> that, that, I mean, we put effort into everything. Make no mistake, we absolutely do. We never take anything for granted. But I can't think of any single book, particularly in the last five years, that has just suddenly gone crazy without us thinking, wow, how did yeah, that happen? Yeah. yeah. You can see. I mean, as I suppose an example of that, or, or uh, it would be interesting to know the background, I suppose, but the, the Colleen Hoover books on TikTok suddenly seem to come out of a groundswell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to interrogate that further. I mean, again, I think that really leans into the fact that um, she is so effective in that particular space. Yeah. And um, she built up her own community. Um, by the time she really hit, you know, a mass audience, um, she'd already had several books published yeah. before. And so the publishers have been able to benefit from her sudden um, rise to fame and popularity by, by bringing in the backlist titles too. And that can sort of happen. And, and, and also I think it's very heartening across the board pretty much uh, you know there are there's there's a, a big focus on on uh the media and booksellers with the fresh voices the debuts mm -hmm. and so on but at every one of those there is an author who's had a slower build who may have published six or seven books and then suddenly something breaks yeah. through and i there are a lot of those and you'll have seen them too and and i was just going to ask as well what could um you know, is is there something? Are there things that an author themselves can be doing to help build the anticipation and success of their books? Absolutely, and I, I guess you know, there's there's two two elements here. If you are publishing yourself, if you're self published, or with a smaller business where they don't necessarily offer support in terms of marketing and publicity, um, if you are open to it, start build it you need to start talking to potential readers and and that platform is through social media and wherever you feel comfortable um and i would always say to any writer whether they are traditionally published or self-publishing um have um be cautious about what you're putting up there don't put it just one tone in my book's coming my book's not coming my book's coming here's my book and here it is again mm -hmm. Talk about what else you're reading. What's your interest? What else are you reading? What else are you loving? Connect with other um, writers. Um, give yourself a broader picture rather than just saying, this is me, this is my book. Um, so social media does offer that. Um, there are many podcasts, including your own, that people can listen to um, to get expert advice. There are loads of writing podcasts. There are loads of opportunities to find out about um, uh, self-promotion. Lots of writers do their own newsletters and, and um, their own substacks and so on. So you can get insights from them, uh, the successful ones who've, who've made it work for themselves too. And, uh, sorry, no, I was just going to say, is, is that something that has growing do you think that the need for authors to do that social media work and stuff like that with the 
advent of social media or did authors always have to have to sort of try and promote their own books as well as getting the publisher to back them such a good point well look i think there has been now that readers can have sort of direct access to writers through the platform of you know online Mm -hmm. um prior to that it was meeting them at events and and events are still running and successfully even after the, the pandemic we are seeing that nice build of in-person events um, um, flourishing. Um, I think that um, having an author involved in a promotional campaign is really key, but not every writer wants to do that. So I do work with a lot of writers who are nowhere near social media, and that's fine. Um, That is definitely not something that we would push on them, it means that we have to work in different ways to reach the mm. readers. Um, so, um, but I think there's for a long time, the media have um, propelled a fascination with writers. What really makes them tick? Where do they get their inspirations from? What, are, what of themselves is on this page? Um, what, are, what are their inspirations and thoughts? And ju- what's their journey been to this point? And, you know, we're talking about fiction and nonfiction here. So I, I think readers tend to be quite interested in, in the background story to the book that they've read. Yeah. And, and we've chatted to authors who, you know, who have started to think about the marketing process of their book from before they've even put a word on the page. And is that something you would recommend authors should have, should always have, you know, when before they start writing their book, think about what's the pitch, where would they sit on the shelf? How do I, how would I market the story? And, and is that something they should think about before writing the book itself? That's really interesting. So are these established authors that do that? Yeah. Or is it sort of, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I can see why an established author would do that because They've already got an audience. When you're writing, when you're publishing book two, you've already got an audience Mm -hmm. of however big or or however small, you've got the audience already and the expectation of the audience. So it's smart to think about what am I saying in this book? How does it align with my previous book or books? Um, So that's that's smart. And a publisher will always support and have those conversations. From a first timer, I think um, what agents are asking for is um, a little bit of thought around where does my book, who would be the reader mm-hmm. for my book? What else are they reading? Where are they finding their reading, um, you know, with the, the books to read? So have a think about that, but don't get, don't get bogged down in it because actually it's the publisher's job to support you through that route and to offer solutions and to and, and, and to help you position and pitch. So very smart for an established writer to just have an eye on mm. that, but don't let it distract you from the job at Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, those were the main questions we had for you, but before we let you go, I just wanted to ask if there's anything that you're working on now or stuff that's coming out soon that you wanted to, to tell us about. Gosh, that's a great opportunity. Um, well, I have the great fortune to work with some wonderful writers. Um, we have just uh, published an amazing um, debut, which if I thought beforehand, I could have held it up for you. So <laughs> was a River um, by Shelley Reed. Um, it's a beautiful, elegiac um, 
a wonderful story about landscape and about belonging and about one individual woman who uh, we chart through very early life and through the the ups and downs of of, of her um, of her experience and, and there's a beautiful exquisite sort of rather heartbreaking ending. Um, we have a new volume of short stories coming from um, the uh, writer here, Kate Atkinson, who I have had the great pleasure of working with on every one of her books. Um, that's coming um, in August. Um, and super exciting. We've just acquired um, a, uh, an established writer, for, uh, but, but we're publishing uh, a first book with her, Catherine Ryan Howard, who is a brilliant crime thriller writer. Her book, The Trap, is coming out in August, and I am so excited to be working alongside her because I'm learning from her too. She's been published very happily elsewhere, but we are now her publishers, so I'm learning a lot from her too, and that's coming in August. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us today, Alison. That's been really interesting and informative. Oh, I hope I hope it's been helpful. It's the, the, There are no real hard and fast rules to this a lot of it is iterative and changing and evolving but the great conversations that we can have about bringing books and uh, writers to readers are, are always very fulfilling so i really appreciate you asking me no thank you thank you very much uh, we're joined now by successful sci-fi author and editor Premi Mohammed, author of the beneath the rising books and assistant editor at escape pod magazine she used twitter last year to point out the difficulties facing authors uh, writing not that I mind promoting my own books exactly but it does grate a little that some of the publishers are not promoting it at all ever like why am I doing a hundred percent of the work why not a lesser percent so I think it's fair to say you have some views about this welcome welcome premium thanks for coming to speak to us I, I do have some thoughts thank you so so much for inviting me to let me vent uh, so I mean obviously when people get a publishing deal and when outsiders look on it they think oh that's it i made the i've done the writing bit and now it's easy and i'll I'll let the publishers deal with with uh, promoting it and that'll be fine um but it doesn't quite work like that all the time no it doesn't uh and actually it's funny after i got my first book published i had co-workers coming up to me in my cubicle at work to be like this is very exciting i saw your book in a real bookstore are you going to quit your job now <laughs> oh uh oh I, I i laughed till i cried onto my sad cubicle sandwich um the impression i think that people get is that yes all you have to do is turn in the manuscript and then that is kind of what fuels the traditional publishing machine and then they do everything else and there may have been a time when that was more the case. Um, that is definitely not the case now. And it's very much kind of segregated into um, kind of two or maybe three tiers of kind of the haves and the have-nots. So I also recommend another podcast, uh, The Publishing Rodeo, which is um, hosted by Scott Drakeford and Sun Dean. And they talk about, so Sun Yi's book got a uh, $300,000 advance um, and Scott's got a $35,000 advance. And they came out around the same time with the same publisher and their, um, you know, kind of similar fantasy books. So they talk about the different treatments they got. And one of the things they discuss is the publicity. And so that's led me to learn a lot about what's happening behind the scenes that both readers 
and authors have no idea about. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that pretty much uh, if your publisher has not thrown a lot of marketing and publicity dollars um, into the book, then the other option is they are doing virtually nothing <laughs> yeah. to let people know that the book is out or what it's about or trying to reach readers or anything like that. They publish it, they do the bare minimum to get it into distribution, and uh, that's about it. So the burden uh, falls on the author to try to let people know about the book. Um, but again, we're authors. <laughs> you know, we're, Most of us are not trained in marketing. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. The publisher probably hasn't given us any guidance or templates or graphics or suggestions. <laughs> and it's something that we have to figure out on our own because I think, as I mentioned in that tweet, the options are either um, either I say something and I promote my books or nobody says anything. I mean, it seems crazy because they're obviously paying authors money for their books and then they just sit back and expect them to expect them to sell it, it i mean is it a problem that has has grown worse do you think since social media and the fact that publishers almost think well they're on there anyway so they'll be able to do a lot of this yeah that's the impression i get is that oh well if we sign up an author and they've got you know ten thousand social media followers um we probably need to do less, you know, and this leaves out the fact that the publishing company has, you know, 500,000 social media followers and tweets are free. Instagram is free. Um, all the social media platforms at the moment uh, are free. Some of them are terrible. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, but authors are sitting here going, this is literally the absolute least you could do um, to increase visibility because that's kind of the one thing where we can move the needle. Um, and that's how I think I've gotten, to be frank, most of my book sales is with social media, because otherwise people aren't aware that the book is out there because the publisher isn't saying anything. And the publisher is doing stuff um, behind the scenes that most authors are not aware of. Um, you know, the reps are dealing with booksellers directly. Yep. They're dealing with libraries. Uh, they're dealing with reviewers. They are trying to get books not everybody's books, not my books, for instance, um, they are trying to get books that they've decided to throw their weight behind into as many bookstores uh, and venues as possible to get them to the front of the bookstore, um, to pay a certain amount to get an end cap, to get displays, to get swag, to get pre-order um, bonuses, um, you know, pins, cookies, cake pops, uh, posters, things like that, um, that the author can't do and and may not be aware of uh you know if the bookseller gets an advanced copy of your book in a fancy box with a t-shirt and a, a scented candle and a pen um that makes a different impression than you know another review copy that just shows up in a batch of 300 rev review copies so uh i think publishers are out there going well we'll splash out for the ones that we paid all the money for, you know, the ones that got the big advances and we'll turn those into a hit. And the rest of the books, um, because we invested so little in them, 
if they sell some copies, that's okay. We'll probably break even. And um, if not, we'll just write it off because that's how it works. So the rest of us get nothing, not even the free things, because there's also only so many publicity and marketing people in the actual publisher, you know, structure itself. And they're all hideously overworked. I mean, in in your view, in your experience, is this is this like uh, as much changed over the last like you know ten years or so? Like, is is it, are we seeing a shift between publishers pushing more, selecting more titles to go to go down the path of like we're going to push our money behind this one or two books a year, or is this is it always been like this, or or, or is the social media changed stuff, or is it was it or was it always the same idea that smaller books are kind of left to fend themselves a little bit? As far as I can tell from talking to people, uh, there always have been kind of a few lead titles, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're also used to be a healthier mid list, and those people could count on at least uh, some author support, like ads, for instance. And again, keep in mind, my debut novel came out in 2020, March 2020, actually, like straight into the yeah, TV perfect pandemic. Timing, yeah. Yeah, perfect timing. So it came out and then the next day, everything in the world basically shut down. (laughs) Um, So what that eliminated was uh, specifically those discovery sales, which is people wandering into a bookstore, seeing a cover they like, or an author they like, or a table of staff suggestions or something, and being able to pick it up and look at that. And again, authors don't affect that. That's what the publisher is is choosing to do. And that novel actually was what my publisher, which is a small press, which is a whole nother conversation, um, Rebellion Publishing, so their sci-fi fantasy imprint, Solaris Books. Mm. Um, my book was considered to be a lead title. So what that meant was that physical review copies were printed, which is really important. The second two books in the trilogy didn't get that, and most of my other books have not gotten uh, advanced review copies um, to give to reviewers, to give to booksellers, to give to librarians, things like that. Um, we also had a little pre-order campaign with specially printed uh, postcards. Um, there were also book plates, so some of the books were signed. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going, actually, in 2020 to go on holiday uh, in England anyway and visit some friends and visit some family. And uh, my publisher was like, well, if you'd like to detour um, and go to you know these two cities, and I'm like, I don't know where Leeds is, but I can get there on the train. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where Newcastle is, whatever, you know. Um, You know, they were like, oh, can you go to the Waterstones in fill in the blank here? And I'm like, I have never heard of this city. I assume this is some kind of Wicker Man situation. But um, (laughs) um, so they were like, you know, if you detour for these couple of nights and if you go to these events and if you detour and go to this con, um, you know, we'll pay for your registration fee and we'll pay for a couple nights hotel. So to me, I was very excited. That was the closest yeah. I figured I was going to get to a book tour. And then since then, of course, the pandemic's complicated things, but that's never come even close to happening mm. again. I mean, so it's it's hard to it's hard to tell what um a publisher would have been doing for the last couple of years as well. No, fair enough. Yeah, I mean of course, yeah, that's the other thing that we that I hadn't thought about, but obviously a lot of this has probably been accelerated by the pandemic and their yeah. their practices have probably changed in a way a lot of other businesses have changed their practices and they've not really gone back to what what it was before which even wasn't great mm. unless you're a lead title but it was probably better than um what what it what the state sounds like it is just now i mean 
so if we you know if we accept that or well, we shouldn't accept but if the situation is as it is what can a non-lead title author what can a middleist author uh, do to try and promote their book good question um my friends and i discuss this all the time um and uh it's it's even trickier for like self-pubbed authors but we can't and again there's actually data about this but we can't really move the needle on sales and um tweeting about or you know putting our book on instagram or whatever that when performed by the author doesn't really increase book sales all it does though is increase visibility of the author as a person mm -hmm. so um one thing that i know a lot of mid-list authors are being strongly encouraged to do which is um just god awful a nightmare for most writers is to um create a brand for yourself think of yourself as a product um so that people think oh the name sounds familiar the face looks familiar um and perhaps by coincidence in the trillions of tweets that are happening every day um you know i spot that they've got a book out but mm -hmm. it's um it's a matter really of relying on you know having a good book of course but also um visibility um getting the book cover out there uh repetition so people aren't going to be curious about a book or want to pick up a book if they glance at it once yeah. they might if a friend says i picked this up and i loved it or they might if they've seen the book cover like 10 times and just gotten curious about it um i know there are friends of mine particularly again in the self-pub space that pay for um ads or for services like bookbub that will put it straight into people's inboxes i have lots mm -hmm. of friends who extol the virtues of the newsletter where you have you know kind of your captive audience but really nothing we can do is going to be as impactful as getting the physical book as a nice to own nice to hold product into a bookstore that people can flip through mm -hmm. um, even kind of the kindle buying experience where people look at the first couple pages doesn't you know make up for that and of course bookstores can only have so much stock so um just for example i was discussing this on another podcast the other day the reason people say particularly for genre authors that haven't made a name for themselves that we need to have a book a year is because um bookstores don't stock backlist like at all and in some cases backlist can be like anything older than six months wow so they'll have a whole shelf full of tolkien and pratchett no shade to those guys because i love them um and like 15 shelves of dune which okay why are there so many dune books <laughs> <laughs> but, um you know and like two shelves of new up-and-coming authors and of course there's thousands of us how many of us can you fit realistically on a shelf how many of those is someone going to wander in and pick up unless they're looking for that book specifically yeah it's really um it's really about visibility and so it's it's really really hard and i know for things like events and stuff um i don't know that i've ever wanted to buy a book because i saw that the author was having some kind of event i would have to have a pre-existing relationship with them first and i would want to go mm -hmm. um and i guess same with like the book ads that i see in places like um, locust magazine or or things like that um 
you know, you, fl you flip through it and there's all these pages of dense text and you might see a little cover about mm -hmm. an inch tall. So books are just in a very weird space uh, when it comes to advertising and marketing, I think. You have to build up your fan base and then you just kind of have to trust them to say something about your books and to leave reviews and to try to game all the algorithms that are trying to bury mid-list books underneath the ones that actually have publisher support. I mean, that's the thing. It seems like so much of the publicity or so much of what the author themselves can do to move the needle is kind of out of their hands yeah. almost. Like it's yeah. in the kind of power of like the marketing team or yes. the big or the bookstores or whatever it is, but it's, it's not something which the author themselves can really make an impact on. Yeah. You know, is there, is there merit in, for instance, authors joining forces to like to kind of promote each other or to create, create like a kind of collective uh kind of marketing team or something that they can do that's kind of something new that's maybe more strength in numbers or something i don't know possibly um i think what that would probably end up happening is like diluting the message though because then people would see like this author collective and be like oh uh i only wanted to buy two of their books and i don't remember which ones they are <laughs> so then the, the goal is kind of to make the reader not do any work. And with the big publishers that put money behind those things, what they are trying to do is make it kind of as um, as easy for the reader as possible. So you go into the Barnes & Noble, you see this enormous display of identical books and a big placard that says something like National Book Award winner. And, um, you know, and you see a staff recommendation and you see a cutout of the book cover and you just go in and you're like, oh, this is the new hotness. I'm going to buy this. And then you go to the till and you pay for your book. Um, it takes, I guess, a different kind of um, effort to go wander through the bookstore and find the sci-fi and fantasy section and pick through it alphabetically till you see if you can find the author you're looking for and yeah it's it's really about discoverability and social media i don't know if that's helping that i've heard lots of good things about the books being discovered on book talk mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. which i a avoid but then b i see the books and i'm like oh i hated all of these <laughs> <laughs> but again apples and oranges it's i think you have to like target your ideal reader and for mid-list people that aren't getting any help with that, we don't know who our ideal reader is. We mm. don't have the data that the uh, that the publisher has, uh, you know, going for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is is one of the problems, and I say this reluctantly because, you know, I think if you you know we want to get more books out there, but is one of the problems that too many books are being published that there's just the publishers are just saying right, we have to churn out this number of books every year and keep increasing it because sales generally are going up but in fact like you say that makes discoverability for non-lead titles for new authors for mid-list authors especially very very difficult yeah I've, I've heard that a lot actually I, I feel like I read an article about it like something about not just uh, the influx of self-pubbed books um, you know obviously some of which are very good um, but yeah publishers themselves trying to uh, publish more books every year because it is sort of um it is sort of random chance in some cases there are some books that they won't put any money behind that just um take off anyway because mm -hmm. of word of mouth and uh that's kind of what they're gambling on is that those books that have very little input are going to have 
you know, maximum profits, as well as the ones that they've basically paid to turn into a bestseller. Um, so yeah, again, it's it's that whole idea of um, of dilution is it's getting harder and harder to just pick out a book mm-hmm. that you want to read. Um, I mean, when I think of how I find books that I would like to read, uh, a lot of them come from recommendations from friends or um, authors that I like, um, whose taste I, I feel like I can trust saying something and me spotting it on social media or um, having them, you know, write essays or something or articles about, oh, here are my inspirations or here's a book I liked recently or something like that. And I don't know how other people are finding books, but if I just went to the front page of Amazon thinking I would like to buy a book today, what would I see on that front page? Yeah. I would see the ones uh, that have basically paid to be on that front page, like the bestsellers. Possibly there's a line for award winners. Um, But if I dig into it, if I just say, okay, I've got $13 today and I want to spend it on a Kindle book and I go in there. Oh, okay. Well, right now at the moment, there are 5 million books for me to choose from. Yeah. How am I going to pick? So it's it's even worse than that, really, isn't it? Because on Amazon, (laughs) things like Amazon and stuff will, will, because of the algorithm, it'll look at what you've bought before or looked at Mm -hmm. before and it'll be suggesting that sort of thing. So it kind of, it's, I suppose in a way they would say it's trying to help you find something that you would like, but it, mm. it's it's narrowing your vision of what is what is there yeah. as well. So, oh, the algorithm, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's exactly. interesting, isn't it? Because you've got like, as you're saying, you go into a physical bookstore. The problem there is that there's only so many books they can stock, and they physically limit your back catalogue to make space. There's all these, you know, two shelves or two rows for new authors. How how do you choose who's there? So your your problem there always seems like, you know. How do you how do you become one of those books that they choose to put on the shelf and people see when they come in the store? And then yeah. you've got the Amazon Amazon Kindle store, and it's almost like the opposite problem, which is yeah. that there's too many books, and it's yeah. like how do you punch through that? How do you how do you get to the front of the queue? And how do they, how does it work? To how do you choose something? And it seems like there's no kind of perfect system. Yeah. And I don't know I don't actually know what the answer is in terms of with the number of books that are coming out and the you know, how how do we make sure that everyone gets a fair shot? How do you select, how do you make sure everyone sees stuff and the right stuff gets to the top? I mean, it feels like a really, a really strange situation we're in right now where there's kind of two totally different options of buying books and neither of them are really perfect for the authors in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I agree. It, um, unfair is the word that keeps coming to mind because mm-hmm. of course it's not fair and it's not a meritocracy either. It's, it's who the publisher decides to put those dollars behind. They're basically purchasing a spot on that bookshelf in the physical bookstore. So what that leaves authors with, like, um, especially, you know, I look at my latest book, which just came out from a small press uh, here in Canada. Um, I can almost guarantee you that most chain bookstores are not going to have that on their shelf because of constant hustling uh, from my editor, uh, some independent bookstores may have it on their shelf. They may have a couple of copies. What that leaves is the kind of gap where I'm like, okay, if my book isn't physically going to be picked up by a human being in a store and, you know, for them to like pick it up and turn it over and read the first couple stories, maybe um, that leaves me with uh, pointing people at my book that I just happened to encounter. So for me, that's social media. And um, there's just, there's this huge abyss between it 
basically, is now instead of people discovering my book, I have to point them to it and be like, if you would like to purchase a copy of my book, here's a link. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly something. And yeah. it makes I, I, me think also, like, people have also asked me, oh, you know, do the awards move the needle at all? Because last year I won a World Fantasy Award, I won a Nebula Award, um, I won an Aurora Award. I've been up for the British Fantasy Award, the Locus Award, the Crawford Award, the Hugo Award, and the Ignite Award. And uh, the answer so far seems to be no. <laughs> <laughs> Is people go, oh, that's that's nice, and I'm so happy for you. And then they don't buy the book. <laughs> but again, those were all for novellas from not just a small press, but I would say a micro press. Uh, the press, uh, Neon Hemlock, was for the Nebula and the World Fantasy Award winning book. Um, the press is Dave. It's one person. He's, he's the entire press. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's very much a case of, yeah, even if you do win an award, people have to make the effort to seek that book out, mm -hmm. find the link, purchase it online, because they're never going to see that in a bookstore. Yeah. So it, no matter what you do with the book itself, no matter the book's quality or whatever, um, it really is up to the publisher pretty much as to whether the book will sell or not. Uh, and what we've got on our side is visibility, um, sociability, branding, uh, and word of mouth. And and are things like uh, NetGalley and, and things like that, or, or blog tours and things like that, are they helpful? And or are they ways as well, especially with things like NetGalley, are they ways that a publisher can sort of judge whether or not to put a bit more money behind the book if it suddenly starts getting lots of good reviews and things like that? Uh, you know, is, it to, is it to help the publisher rather than the yeah, author? My understanding is no. Um, I have heard recently that they do look at um, the Goodreads ads. Right. So um, ADDS, not ads, mm -hmm. like yeah, for advertisements. Yeah. So people who are adding it to their want to read list on Goodreads. Um, Neck Alley is before the book comes out so by then they've probably also already determined how much marketing money they want to spend but um, yeah if a book suddenly does take off um, as recently happened for how this is how you lose the time war mm -hmm. yeah. um, by Amal El-Murtar and uh, Max Gladwell it's um, uh, they can pivot fairly fast to take advantage of that but that was already quite a publicized book and it had already won a couple of awards it had 5,000 reviews or something on Amazon so there was already an infrastructure there that they just had to you know kind of ramp up <laughs> mm. yeah. but yeah uh, in terms though my understanding in terms of getting advanced review copies out to people um, things like Idlevice and, and NetGalley are really helpful because um, there are a lot of publishers, even the really big ones, that don't want to send out physical review copies mm. and won't uh, won't print physical review copies. And that is a huge disadvantage because booksellers specifically, um, both at chains and in independent bookstores, are counting on those review copies to decide whether or not, literally, to stock the book. And lots of them don't like um, the electronic ones. Like, that's that's just a preference that people have not really budged on. Yeah. Uh, as for blog tours... I don't know. Um, I personally have never clicked on a link for a book uh, that's going around on a blog tour. I've never clicked on a book talk. I've never clicked on uh, anything booktube related, but those people are probably out there. So perhaps they exist. I just like, and this, you know, this is sort of, I guess, hypocritical of me because 
I'll get an email from my editor being like, hey, so-and-so wants you to write a guest post on their blog. Um, this will be great. It's publicity for the book. Can you do it? So I write it and then I send it out. And I've never read this person's blog. I don't click on the links when I see them. Uh, if people are like, hey, I just did an essay about my book on this guy's blog. Here's the link. I'm like, why would I read that? I <laughs> know. Yeah. And is it, yes, unless, unless you, why would I write this? <laughs> but I just do what I'm told. <laughs> yeah. And unless, unless you sort of have some interest or knowledge of the book or the person in advance, then it's yeah. unlikely that you will click on these things. Okay. Yeah. If, it, if it's a friend, I might click, but yeah. also the problem with being a writer is you have hundreds and hundreds of writer friends mm -hmm. and I can't keep up with all these mm. you know, things that are going on. This. Like, <laughs> it seems apt to ask you about your latest book. No one will come back for us. It's a short story collection. And yeah. uh, would you want to tell us a little bit what it's about and more importantly, where people can buy it? Oh, sure. Yeah. So this is my... Uh, debut short story collection, which is out with Undertow Publications. It just came out May 16th. Um, very proud of it. It's been getting some pretty good press so far. Uh, I usually don't read reviews. I have a friend who will like look at them for me and then send them to me <laughs> if they're any good. Um, yeah, it's 17 stories plus author notes uh, collected from about 2016 to about 2021. Um, and the editor, Michael Kelly, is also the editor of Weird Fiction. So he's got this very distinctive voice and vision that he's looking mm -hmm. for. So I was very flattered to be asked. So it's um, it's basically a collection of uh, dark fantasy, horror, and uh, some sci-fi with horror elements uh, collection. So nice. that's out of... Uh, you know, they asked for about 17, 18 stories. And I was like, okay, this is good that we're limiting it because I, at the time that I was emailed, I had something like 45 or 50 short stories published. And I was like, how do I pick? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I sent them to my editor in chronological order and uh, Michael rearranged them into his uh, preferred order. So it's very, very exciting to have a collection out. Um, I am told that collections uh, don't sell, but uh, I don't care because I have several copies of it in my house and I find that very exciting. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. And and where can people buy it if they wanted to buy it? Where would you recommend they go? Uh, they can buy it anywhere books are sold. Uh, I recommend buying it from the publisher directly. Um, however, my understanding is he can't ship physical paperbacks to the EU, but you can buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Bookshop or IndieBound or, or anything you like. Cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us today, Premier, to discuss that. That's been really interesting, if if yeah, somewhat depressing. Nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little bleak out here for for those of us in the uh, in the shadows. But we keep writing books because we love to write and we love to connect with our readers. And whether or not they sell is um, is something we're just gonna have to let go of as an obsession. <laughs> Well, that was great. And as ever, it was really refreshing and insightful to hear from people working in the industry. And we hope it's helped you as much as it's helped us. And thanks again to you all for joining us for this special episode of Page One Extra. Don't forget, you can watch every new episode of this podcast and our regular interview series, Page One, the Writer's Podcast, on our YouTube channel or download it as a podcast by searching for Page One Extra on your favourite podcast app. 
And as ever, we'd be so grateful if you could subscribe on YouTube and follow us on your pod on your favorite podcast app. Even better if you could give us that thumbs up and comment down below on YouTube. And a rating and review on your podcast app really goes a long way as well. Yeah. And in the meantime, you can always get in touch by leaving a comment down there or emailing us at podcast at rightgear.co.uk or contacting us on Twitter at UK page one or on Mastodon at writing.exchange forward slash at page one pod. It's much easier when I've got an auto cue reading all yeah, the stuff exactly. from me, isn't it? Otherwise, we hope to speak to you on Friday in the new page one, the writer's podcast episode. And we'll be back soon with more writing news and discussion of the burning topics affecting writers with another great guest. See you later. Oh, 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 oh